Welcome to episode five of the Chaplain's Assistance Motor Pod, and I'm your host, Gary. Online, I can be found at IGGaryV on Twitter and Instagram, but this podcast on Twitter and Instagram is at Chaplain Joe Pod. Now, at Chaplain Joe Pod, I'm going to post my G.I. Joe finds, adventures, repairs, and what's going on. And on my personal thing, you'll find more of what I also enjoy aside from G.I. Joe, like comics and other toy lines and other things that catches my, my fancy. This week, the past two weeks, actually... The G.I. Joe world has been a flutter with news, with new products, a movie coming out at the end of this week. I have my tickets for Friday evening. We got some reveals from Super 7. It's their 7-inch line in their about 3 and 3 quarter inch reaction line. These things look pretty cool. They've put some thought into them. But they're a third-party G.I. Joe. They definitely have a place for certain collectors, but unfortunately, I'm not one of them. I am an out-of-box display collector, and they really aren't going to mesh well with either my 6-inch Joes, the 7-inch line, and the reaction line. Five point of articulation, a little stiff posed as compared to the traditional posings of the 3 and 3 quarter line or even the 4-inch modern line. I'm really excited to see the fact that the license is getting out to quality toy companies like Super 7, and this is only good for the brand in general as the fact that there's not there's another company that thinks that there is an even bigger market for G.I. Joe for it to become a larger success than it currently is. This will only serve to continue to build hype around the brand and positive height or positive energy around the brand is like a rising tide as others have said and that raises all ships i'm happy i'm happy that they exist even though they may not be for me in particular speaking of rising tides i'm going to talk a little bit about what dropped two weeks ago which was gi joe dead game five by robert liefeld story and pencils and pages Two, two pages of inks with a host of other inkers in between. Rob Liefeld wrote Snake Eyes Dead Game, and it's a, essentially, without going into a huge review of the story or spoiler things, it is essentially a Snake Eyes adventure in, a, in an, a timeline that doesn't affect anything else that you may consider canon. It's an, And like I said, it's an adventure story. Love him or hate him, Rob Liefeld, at the beginning of this project from a year ago, built up a ton of positive hype about this and got everybody really excited about him working on a new project. Longtime comic fans have their reservations about Rob Liefeld for reasons, whether fair or unfair. He definitely is somebody that's from, you know, the 90s attitude aesthetic of comic books and he continues to bring that same aesthetic in 2020 and 2021 the fifth issue dropped completing the story the best thing i can say about this issue is you can see the power of an inker over a penciler 
with many different inkers like Neil Adams, Kevin Eastman, and Jerry Ordway, really good artists lending their inking hands to Liefeld's pencils, really allows Liefeld's layouts to come across on the page, but you definitely see the style of the art change. And one thing is you can definitely see, again, I can't emphasize this enough, the power of the inker over the penciler. It is, some of the art in that thing is so great. When you get to the, my favorite one is Eastman's Kirby Energy on the double page spread of Snake Eyes holding the weapon, not trying to spoil it for anybody. The, the Kirby energy in that double page panel is amazing. It's powerful, for lack of a better term. And I love that. That's actually my favorite panel in the entire book. But when you get to Liefeld's inks over himself, you just see some things look different, in my personal opinion, worse. You know, things look flat or uh, not fleshed out well or out of proportion. Overall, what I thought of Dead Game, it was a fun story to read, but like some things in my G.I. Joe collection, it is something I'm glad I experienced, but it's not something that I'm going to keep. The other comic that came out this week was G.I. Joe 284, written by Larry Hama. My initial thoughts on this were, it's a solid comic book. There are issues of G.I. Joe I like more. There are issues of G.I. Joe I like less. Just a solid middle-of-the-road issue. It's a little tropey. He really uses Sherlock, but what I say Sherlock is used to the best of her abilities. No. I think she felt feels a little... She felt a little... For somebody that should be Sherlock, I felt she should be, you know, one step ahead of Alcabra, the, the villain, who may or may not be an existing Cobra villain remains to be seen. My thoughts are it's it's Firefly, but it'd be cool if it was Scrap Iron. But she just seemed to like two steps behind rather than, you know, gaining on Alcabra. Again, it's solid. The art was okay. Now, I'm not a huge fan of Andrew Griffith's pencils. I really preferred the earlier issue that S.L. Gallant did a, a fill-in on. I really prefer his pencils for G.I. Joe. You know, Andrew Griffith does an okay job. But it's solid layouts, and again, this this would be another thing where I'd say the power of an inker over a penciler. Sometimes pencilers shouldn't ink themselves, and sometimes inkers shouldn't pencil. You know, so like I said, there's a trope, you know, repeated. He definitely used Sherlock and the other new Joes. One criticism, you know, I've had was, maybe I haven't shared here, was like, why are we bringing in more Joes, right? You know, more Joes, you know, we have a ton of, you know, we have a huge roster already, correct? With all these, you know, new Joes, you know, what are we trying to accomplish? Spoiler for that comes in the letters page, where somebody thanks Larry for bringing Molto into existence, you know, an Indonesian uh, Pacific Islander G.I. Joe, because he there's a new representation on the Joe team that didn't exist before. What that's 
brings me to is to this thing called community and what the G.I. Joe community is. Because now you're bringing more people in through representation into the G.I. Joe community, but the G.I. Joe community as a whole has been, is huge. It's more than just YouTube. It's more than just podcasts. It's more than just Facebook. However, the internet at large brings all these different sections of the larger community together. It's one of those things where you get to, you forget sometimes about how big the community is. And that was something that was proposed by uh, Jason on the Order of Battle pod. And it's something that recently I've become, you know, more and more aware, especially as I've done this podcast, the more you speak out, the more you bring up about what this thing does to bring you into the fold or what is cool. Like, you know, you got, you got this guy that loves GI Joe because of lift ticket. And you have another guy that loves GI Joe because of snake eyes. And then you have somebody like me that loves GI Joe through the Sunbow cartoon, but has this weird affinity for airtight as one of his first Joes or Flint. It's something that brings us all together in different ways. And then by bringing our voice to the community and joining the community, whether in person at a, a toy show or at a comic shop or through the many internet outlets like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, podcasts, maybe there's a G.I. Joe TikTok channel, but it brings us all together and encourages this conversation. And it's really great. Past couple of weeks, I really want to, you know, give some shout outs at this point to the community, people like John, my friend John, who without him, I wouldn't have gotten into podcasting. And Jason, who reached out with some technical things to help me with on editing. And three guys from the Joburg crew, Steve, Cujo, and Paul, words of support, non-solicited, <laughs> and permission for something that's going to come up in a little bit later. Thanks. And then Dave Cabal, codename Cabal. He helped me, you know, getting started with setting up this account on Anchor. If it wasn't for those guys speaking out, helping this community grow, it's great. Right now, what I'm bringing is what I experience in G.I. Joe. I experience the comic books on a regular basis. I'm going through my collection, and we're all doing different things with our hobby, and it's fun to share that, and it's fun for, you know, if you're listening in, you know, you know to reach out. That's why I let you know my, my Twitter and Instagram handle, at Chaplain Joe Pod. It's great to get feedback when I post a picture, and that's what makes the community grow. And then it all hits home when I read G.I. Joe 284, and I'm like, yeah, okay, you know, it's, and like I said, it's an average, it's, to me, it's a solid average issue. It's fun to read. It's not earth-shaking. But then you get to the end of the book, you're reminded of why I've been reading this book for 30 years. That was my takeaway from 284. That was the big 284, big takeaway. And I forgot to tell you where I'm at. I am with the Scottish division of the M&M Mars Candy Company and they've transferred me to Frusenland. I'm still working on terror drones. This is absolutely crazy. What the heck is going on? I'm still dressed in purple, which is unlike any M&M I know of, but it definitely reminds me of a Skittle. I didn't request this transfer, and I can't wait to go home, but apparently this Scottish dude, who's like a chrome M&M, you know, he wants me to continue building and working on these terror drones. So I've spent the last two weeks since my last podcast working on my three drums. 
And yes, I call my three drums like the My Three Sons theme. I'm not going to do a jingle. So I took the best parts from all three, and I created one. One complete, unbroken, not unfaded, and I don't whiten my, my plastics, and re-stickered. I used Toy Hack stickers. One of the great things about Toy Hack stickers is they almost always fit where they're supposed to fit, even if it may be tricky to get there. This is one of those projects where one that gets in, I'm stealing time here and there to work on, right? It's a half an hour here, an hour there. Like when I clean the base, the base is huge. The base I used was covered in mouse crap. It was filthy. I brought it outside. I hooked the hose up to the shower head, hosed it down, scrubbed it with Dawn in the toothbrush. I'll tell you this, make sure your toothbrush is like a medium soft, not a completely soft, because I ruined a completely soft brush very quickly cleaning all the cracks and crevices, and it didn't clean well. So I needed a slightly stiffer bristle to get all the dirt out. Between the cleaning and the restickering and reassembly, I suspect I have over the past, you know, two-ish weeks, I bet you I'm into that one and it's a little inflated because I have two others that I was cleaning at the same time. I would say I'm I got all of ten hours into into this one project, not including the fire bed. The fire bed I did a couple years ago when I got the toy hack stickers for those. For assembly of the the Terradrum, I went on 3djoes.com and he has good scans of the instructions. So I went on 3D Joe's and I, and, I, and I read how to put it back together again. It's pretty much the same as I took it apart, but I always like to have something visual to make sure I'm not screwing something up. I don't want to break something that's 35 years old on a whim. I had the original sticker sheet that was in my box with my other Terradrome part. I was able to put the stickers on where they were and it came out awesome. I can't wait to share pictures of that and stuff with this. It's, it is absolutely a toy that when you have it in front of you, clean, fresh stickers, stickers where they're supposed to be, it definitely presents nice. It has a presence about it. And I like the fact that my plastic still has a little of weathering to it, even though the stickers may be fresh. And most of the stickers on mine were not applied. So the couple that were there, I peeled off quickly and easily and I cleaned them off, but it was a big project and I'm super happy it's complete. And it's not really a review other than the fact that, you know, I just really want to talk about the assembly process, which was because the plastic's old and it's stiffer because as it gets older, it's called outgassing. When I was placing the doors into the hinges, you know, I gave it a little extra soap to slide in, to, to clip in, so a little less friction there. Worked like a charm. The facade, same thing on the clips that went into the, the round piece on the top. Those clipped in for the most part, nice and easy. Still a little stiff, but a little less chance of breakage. For the sticker aspect, there was one thing that I was a little concerned, and maybe I was a little too concerned, was the cobra symbol that goes on the eight triangular pieces that open and close with the raising and lowering of the fire bat. On the toy hack stickers, they come to a sharp point. Originally, they had like a little rounded corner edge. So if you look at it like a pizza slice, 
the the pizza slice is sharp on toy hacks and it's rounded uh og hasbro i went i placed a, a dime in the center of the the sticker sheet and i traced around it and then i cut around the line that i traced and to create like a relief so this way i was afraid that the sharp point of this of the decal would extend past the triangular you know the blue piece on the pterodrome that was a good idea slash bad idea good idea it allowed me to place the stickers really on the edges bad idea was because it made i think it made placing the stickers even harder than they than it is the pterodrome stickers for that for the for the the eight slices very hard to position correctly also it's a compound curve because it's spherical so I've been pushing air bubbles out the past couple of days I'm trying to work them out see how it goes I don't know what the long term is going to be one thing I will say about the pterodrome is there's a lot of cobra sigils on it I don't know how necessary that center cobra sigil is looks pretty cool especially from above but that's where it goes now just to touch base on what i was going through with the night ravens a couple front landing gears have popped up on ebay i missed the first one i found with the cover went for about twenty dollars and then one popped up the other day for forty dollars and i ended up selling uh, a defiant part for the guy asked me what I was looking for for the Defiant part, and I said, listen, I just wanted a front landing gear. And he says, here, here's one on eBay. I'll give you the money for the landing gear, for the for the Defiant up and down, you know, which way to rotate the crank handle. And I said, yeah, deal. So I finally got a second complete Night Raven, and I'm happy with that because I really, right now, I'm thinking two, two complete Night Ravens is where I want to be. And to circle back to the pterodrome, I started off with three pterodromes in varying states of disrepair. I had my first one done. My second one has some, the top of it has some mouse chewings on the vents. Well, other than that, there's nothing broken, surprisingly. I went on eBay and I found the last little orange cap for the gun door. So now I have two complete pterodromes and a third one with issues, but I'm not going to worry about the third one one pterodrome is it for me in mind with the little bit of weathering on the plastic and the reproduction decals i'm going to enjoy it as much as i can another thing that happened this week in recent events was the the target reorders their collector event the great thing about the target collector event was it fixed the broken system and it allowed just about every collector for a couple days to buy one more each of the Cobra Island exclusives. I've already collected all one of each of everything, but here was a chance for me to get one more Cobra Island Trooper. That's what I, I wanted, just two. Now I have my two Cobra Island Troopers. I have my two Vipers from paying scalpers i don't think anybody was expecting target system to get fixed for an event like this and like i said for a couple days i mean these things were were available a friend my friend bjorn in in norway again through community 
he was like, hey, can you get me a second Firefly so I can customize him? Absolutely. And a few days later, I'm like, oh, crap, let me try to do it. And I did, and it came. And that's an example of Hasbro slash Target listening to the frustrated voices of people that are, for lack of a better term, the average collector, not the scalper, just trying to be able to procure a product. This is something in the positive direction. It's taking making G.I. Joe less of an exclusive line as more of a cool line that we're actually you actually have the ability to get. Now, it wouldn't be an episode of the Chaplain's Assistance Motorpod if we didn't take a look at at least one vehicle or playset and going with a theme of July being a typically a Cobra-centric month online, and also the fact that there's lots of Christmas-themed movies, especially on the Hallmark Channel this month, going to look at 1987's Cobra Winter Operational Light Fighting Vehicle, the Cobra Wolf. It's an asymmetrical snowmobile-type vehicle that came with the Ice Viper. Now, take a quick look at the Ice Viper first. Now, the Ice Viper is a super solid sculpt. I lo I've loved this figure since 1987. Came with two Psy that stored neatly on his thighs. Now, a Psy typically isn't an edged weapon. It's a blunt weapon. The kind of point that you see on the Psy on, with the Ice Viper in real life wouldn't be sharp. It's more of a parrying weapon molded in white with like a goldish brown paint on his thighs to hold the size and the metal bandolier slash chest plate and the shoulder plates you know black gloves black boots with gray fur highlights just like his neck would have like a scarf you know red balaclava and a gray helmet with molded on goggles when i was a kid i used to take the, the helmet tilt it forward so the goggles covered the nose. It works okay in that aspect, but it looks much better with the goggles up, especially when he's driving the wolf. This is one of my favorite figures from the G.I. Joe line, probably because I had him as a kid. He does get some paint wear, especially from going in and out of vehicle. The bandolier, especially on the back, the little rivets that pop up, you know, will wear out and show paint. When he's nice and clean, he definitely stands out in a crowd, especially being a winter soldier. Not too many winter-themed characters in the G.I. Joe line as a whole, which makes him stand out. He was also available in the Flaming Moth set in slightly different colors. I think he's an Ice Viper you know, commander, and it's another solid, it's a solid, super solid repaint. I'm taking a look at the wolf itself. You have two tracks underneath two engines that when I was a kid I used to think they were jet engines because jet engines didn't need to be circular they could be rectangular as an adult now it's more of a oh those are just the inlets so they're gray on the inlets on each side but on the back they're white and it's not really an exhaust it looks cool I'm not gonna lie it definitely looks cool but underneath the engines are the two tracks you know the two ski mobile tracks snowmobile tracks they fold up, up and away, 
from the skis that are on each side it can glide silently i used to like the more the 1995 cobra more i used to think that the skis would be on the bottom and then you'd fold the wheels and tracks up and it would fly down the slopes but the cool thing is the side skis snap out to become like poor man snowboards which is kind of funny because the snowboards have springs on them lots of fun there next up it's asymmetrical so the driver and the gunner who sits behind the driver sit on the left side of the vehicle which would be the driver's side in america or on the passenger side if you're from england or australia it's a cool look it allows for the armament the missile armaments in the snow skipedos to be on the right side the snow skipedos sit on top of the wolf molded in white like the rest of the the body you know there's two of them side by side push them out they slide down the front of the wolf to engage the the target what's interesting about this is that while we do see the snowboard like skis on the sides of the wolf the skipedos that i'm going to call them became snowboards themselves to be included with figures later on in the line just something funny that i've saw as they've reused and retooled the mold Below the ski pedos, you have a little vent for another engine. So when I say this thing is like snowmobile-like, it's because, you know, you got the skis in the front, you know, and the tracks in the back, and it's oversized, and it has a lot of things that are like kind of engine-related, but it seems kind of superfluous. Like I said, this thing could have, you know, maybe made a better use of its space. Below this little engine grate, when you have the engines on the side, what's this engine going below the, the skipedos? And then in front of that, you have the missile rack that pops up, which has always been a great feature, and the missiles pull out and launch them at your target or enemy vehicles or whatever, whatever, whatever suits your boat. It's a target. You can stuff a whole bunch of stuff in there and then close it up. I know that when I was a kid, put extra weapons in there, extra gear, it's like a great compartment to, to use. If you had a character in the gunner's seat, you have the Ice Viper piloting the wolf. And let's say in the back you have your Snow Serpent who has this backpack. You can put the backpack in there. And this way, when they get to their destination, you know, the Snow Serpent gets out and grabs his stuff and goes. When it was re-released in the twenty about 2014 for the 50th anniversary, I was happy to see it. It's to me, it's one of my favorite vehicles from the original line. And on top of the gunner seat is a twin barrel cannon. There's two ways to do it. I've always mount the, the instructions have always showed that the the post leans forward and then you have the gun shooting forward with that. Personally, to for better balance, I've always leaned it back and then had the gun facing forward. So it looks more like the number seven rather than it looks off balance, like it's looking like it's ready to fall over. And then behind the machine gun on the back, you also have something like an engine cover, which on the mail away version would be like black. It's white on the original 1987. I've never had the mail away version of this toy. It's cool. I have three of these because they're, they're small enough. They don't take up a ton of room. 
they, they look great in groups, especially it's one of the few winter or snow-based, Arctic-based, Antarctic-based vehicles on the Cobra side of the line. It definitely deserves, I definitely need more of these to go against the variety of Joe vehicles that would be fighting these. Obviously, I love the Wolf, and I think everybody should have one. It's an absolute, for me, must-have vehicle. If you don't have snow, then wish Santa Claus for some snow so you can get out, a, so you can get a Wolf and get it out and play in the snow. Well, now that I've extolled the virtues of the Cobra Wolf, I've been told to put some headset on because they're getting ready to fire up this drone I've been working on. I still got two more to go and they'll release me from my servitude, but they told me they're getting ready to power this first one up, and they said, you don't want to be listening to what this thing's going to be putting out. And I said, okay, so what can I listen to in this, these headphones? Maybe I'll listen to a podcast. You know, there's, I can think of three good ones right off the top of my head. G.I. Joburg, Order of Battle Pod, Codename Cabal. I can also be reminded, not only did this guy in a red M&M suit tell me to talk about the Cobra Wolf, and also to mention the Pina Comics family that the Chaplain's Assistance Motorpod is part of. Like Vin Diesel says, it's all about family. They do deep dives into all things pop culture, and you can find them on Twitter, at Pina Comics, on Facebook, at Pina Comics, and then on Instagram as well, at Pint underscore O underscore Comics. Again, on Twitter and Instagram, I am at Chaplain Joe Pod. You know, if you're listening to me now, you can still find me on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, and a couple others. And also, the great thing about this podcast that I'm doing now, this will be the first one that I'm posting to Pina Comics YouTube channel. So if you're listening to on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe and like and comment on the video. All great things. And if you're listening to on a podcatcher, leave a review. I can also be reached via email at IGGaryV at gmail.com I would also like to thank Paul from G.I. Joburg for the theme Operation Coldfire the background music talking about the wolf with that I got some more panels to finish up on my drone, some more reindeer droppings because apparently they're coming around here in Friesland I'll leave you with a solid yo-jo